At some point when we were a kid, we realized that tooth fairies don't exist and money is not going to show up underneath our pillow and these magical things may not happen to us in life. But then there's Charlie Rocket. And Charlie Rocket used to be 2 Chains manager, but then decided, you know what? I would much rather perform random acts of kindness for people and help people find their dreams, whether those are financial or otherwise. I got to go on one of those experiences with him. It was amazingly fun and rewarding. This is a really fun, feel-good podcast with a lot of depth and information about some of the challenges that Charlie has gone through and also a lot of inspiration to get out there and be that force of generosity. This podcast is brought to you by the Sacred Roles Quiz, aubreymarcus.com slash tribe, by The Cold Plunge, thecoldplunge.com slash pages slash amp, by Helix Mattress, helixsleep.com slash amp, and by Onnit, onnit.com slash Aubrey. When I was young, my mom explained her philosophy about life, and her philosophy was that we can't help everybody, but she was going to try and help everybody she could who crossed her path and that included animals and that included people and that really impressed upon me this idea of goodness which is not trying to take on the whole world but just finding those people that you run across and doing your best to help them out well charlie rocket takes that to the next level i mean he's really literally making dreams happen and come true for people and it's just a beautiful story of someone who's decided to do something, decided to set his intentions, manifest a reality where he can go about giving these gifts to people, and really how his mindset has influenced his ability to do so. It's a really powerful story of what the mind can do when actually aimed at an intention where the universe is going to be a wind at your back. So I can't wait to share this podcast with Charlie Rocket. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, I want to talk to you about the Sacred Roles Quiz, which is blowing up all over my social media. People are loving it because what I really found was that there's four main archetypes that we all fill in our tribe, our squad, our community, our group of friends. And I identified that there's the scout, that person that's always looking for new ideas and new concepts and bringing them back to the friends, to the tribe. Then there's the anchor, that person that's going to show up early, stay late, hold space, hear everyone out, just that rock-solid, steady friend. Then there's the alchemist, that person that can turn the lead of a challenging experience into the gold of some kind of growth or new idea. Maybe they understand some basics of shamanism or some basics of just simple philosophy, such as stoicism, and they're able to transform something that's heavy into something that's lighter and something that actually can be consumed for the good of the tribe. And then, of course, there's the elder. And the elder is a natural leader, someone who leads from experience and wisdom and actually helps dictate the course of action for the tribe and the group of friends. Now, you may be some combination of all of these. And that's where there's a really interesting intersection of what happens when you're the scout alchemist, what happens when you're the anchor elder. And in the quiz, I talk about all of the different intersections and also the challenges that these combinations might face. So if you're curious about this, go to aubreymarcus.com slash tribe. You don't have to put in your email address. You can just find out what your sacred role is. And I got videos for everybody. So it's a really fun thing to do with you and your crew. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to aubreymarcus.com slash tribe. And once again, there's no emails, there's no nothing. You can just take the quiz and check it out. 
Next up is the best cold plunge out there on the market. It's from thecoldplunge.com. They've got ozone and UV filtration. The water is constantly circulating at a constant temperature. And it's just the cleanest, sexiest cold plunge out there, period. So definitely check it out. Go to thecoldplunge.com slash pages slash amp for $111 off. And this is something I tell everybody. If you're looking to actually change the way that you're thinking about something or change an emotion, don't try to change your emotions with your mind. Change your emotions by changing your body. And you can change your body by getting in a cold plunge. So anytime something's bothering you, just focus on your nervous system. Breath work or something like a cold plunge is going to be the best way to do it. So that's one of the reasons I recommend cold plunges so much. So once again, thecoldplunge.com slash pages slash amp and use the code amp for $111 off. Don't forget the code amp for $111 off. Next up is Helix Sleep. So you guys have a little visibility into how I deal with sponsors. Whenever someone wants to be a sponsor of the podcast, I'm going to try out what they're offering. So Helix Sleep had to send me a mattress, and I got a twin mattress because I didn't have any place to put it, so I put it in my meditation room, and when we have a guest or someone who wants to go on a journey in the meditation room, we roll out the twin. I've rested on it. I was like, wow, this is a really nice mattress, and it was super convenient how it arrived. It all arrives all kind of bundled up, and then it fluffs out into this full-on mattress that's awesome. So when I was converting my upstairs guest room, which I converted to a dark room, I wanted to take out the king bed to put in a queen bed so that there's more space so that I could do what I did in the darkness retreat. I could actually do some yoga, and if I spent five days in there, it wouldn't just be all bed in the room. There would be actually a little bit of space to move around. And when I did that, I didn't think about where I was going to get the mattress. I knew I was just going to get a Helix mattress. I'd felt it. I'd laid on it. I knew it was good. I knew which type I liked because I took the sleep quiz, which they have available, and I like a firm mattress. So I got that, and we've had guests sleeping on it. I've been up there. It's phenomenal. Everybody comes down and is like, wow, that is a really good mattress. And another benefit, it doesn't have all the off-gassing and smells and everything. I mean, I remember the last mattress I got, it stunk up my room for like, I don't know, a month. I'm sure that wasn't good for me. You know, all of those fumes... It couldn't have been good, but Helix mattress is none of that. The materials they use, the quality of the mattress, the convenience of how it's delivered, this is the way that mattresses are going. Sorry, mattress firm, like you're in trouble. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how long these things are going to exist, but if I was going to put a Blockbuster video sticker on something, it would be the mattress shops that are coming out there because Helix Sleep is crushing it. Uh, no surprise that it was awarded the number one best overall mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine because it's fucking good go to helixsleep.com slash amp you can save up to 200 dollars on all mattresses and get two free pillows my wife ilana loves the pillows i have my own special pillow that i particularly like but different pillows for different willows <laughs> i don't know if that made any sense but either way the mattress is awesome and at least one half of the marcus family loves the pillows and you get them for free so check it out once again go to helixsleep.com slash amp and you'll save up to two hundred dollars and last up we have on it it's a new year and this year is all you and on it is here to help support you in every way possible you've heard me talk about the on it six programs which are phenomenal but sometimes you just want a quicker workout you just want to get in get out in 30 minutes and make sure that you're moving in the right way that you're challenging yourself in the right way so we have a solution 
It's called On It In 30. So 10 workouts for under 10 bucks, and they're all incredible workouts. These are some of the most popular classes we offer at On It Gym, the 30-minute express class. People go in on their lunch breaks. People go in, and you get a full workout with a warm-up, with a cool-down, with everything that you need to support your body, make sure you stay healthy, strong, and happy, as Wim Hof would like to say. So check it out. On It In 30 is now available. There's routines for kettlebells, body weight, and mobility at 30 minutes or less. It's streamed online, on demand, so you can train anywhere, anytime, and it's training for your whole body and for every experience level. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey or check out onit.com slash onit dash in dash 30 to go right there. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Charlie Rocket. Charlie Rocket, my man. What's up, bro? What's going on? We had some fun this morning. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. So tell us about tell us about what we did and where you came up with this idea for what we did. All right. So for everybody uh listening or watching, when I pulled up at your house, I was like, man, let's go start the day off with a winning streak and let's hit a drive through. And you're like, what's a drive? Like, what do you mean? It's like, nah, let, let's go bless somebody. And one thing we do every single day on our tour, we have this thing called the Dream Machine Tour. And we go across the country helping make people's dreams come true. But it always starts with this one question. What's your dream? And so we went to the drive-thru. We pulled up the Dream Machine. You went through the drive-thru first. You asked the baristas who took your order what their dreams were. And I was like, it was. it's sometimes nice to like um, hear people's dreams that are like very humble. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of people have these big extravagant dreams, but some people just want to be happy and have a family and have a nice savings. And these young kids at the drive through that's what they told you. Yeah. And these kids. So this is the drive through where I get my coffee all the time. And they're the nicest. They're like the nicest kids all between like, you know, 18 and 22 There's a variety of them that rotate through. But they're always so engaging. They look me right in the eye. They mm-hmm. really ask me how I'm doing, but not just as a courtesy like this is the script ask the customer how they're doing and then get their drink it's not like that they like they take their time they ask how i'm doing how's mm-hmm. your day mm-hmm. and it'll cause me to pause and be like how is your day and that's a gift that they've given me you know 75 times in the last in the last year mm-hmm. so it's cool to be able to go there and then really ask them as you said like what's what's your dream mm-hmm. and you were on a, you were on the phone so you got to hear that yeah all go down yeah it was beautiful man and and aubrey like Aubrey blessed their dreams, and it was beautiful to watch. It was beautiful to be a part of. Um, pulled out like $1,200 and started their like savings accounts and really like, and they were just blown away. They yeah. were so blown away. But you got to think like people who do drive throughs or just any job, everything is so robotic. Mm-hmm. It's always like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? And then boom, what's your order? Mm-hmm. And to be able to have that nice little change of pace, it just like fuels people up to just have a human interaction other than the robotic, like, programmed interaction. And to believe that the universe is a beneficent, benevolent force mm-hmm. that is acting on your behalf. There's so many other times that random bad shit happens, mm-hmm. and then it, can, then it can convince you, like, man, this world out here is, is tough, yeah. you know, because there's some, this thing happened, or this accident happened, or this bad thing happened, and this bad news comes. But to flip that, what that does psychologically, even beyond the you know three baristas, they got to split four hundred, you know they got four hundred dollars each. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's going to help them. They'll put it in their savings, and 
that'll feed their dream to you know have enough to save up for family in their house one day but what it does psychologically i think is far more important because now they're looking at the universe being like man there's good people in this yeah. universe and yeah. the universe has got my fucking back i'm that's on right. a winning streak that's as right. you say that's right there's always like this frequency of like um that most of us are programmed for is like kind of like a paranoia frequency because there are a lot of bad things that happen yeah and subconsciously you feel like oh the universe is conspiring against me like i know like as optimistic as i am i'll have days where i'm like sluggish and when i wake up in the morning i'm like ah oh. and then like something kind of bad goes wrong like like um for example our crock pot in our in our uh, dream machine just fell out of the counter fell out of the cabinet and broke and if i'm feeling bad on those days what would go through my mind? I'll be like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> right. And I just set the tone for like what I'm now expecting. I'm now expecting it to be one of those days. So I might go throughout the day looking to confirm my belief. Yeah. So I'm actually looking for things that are wrong. But what I've tried to do in my life is like flip it around and to be on a winning streak. And to be on a winning streak is like this instead of like paranoia. It's more like a pronoid. It's like the universe isn't conspiring against me. It's mm -hmm. conspiring for me. Yeah. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'll say, is that you know a real what? word, by the way? Pronoia? It just makes sense to me. I don't think it Fuck, is. Fuck, it makes sense to me. So <laughs> I, I, I believed it, but I just wanted to double check because so, I know a lot of words. So a friend of mine who works with Peter Thiel, mm -hmm. he was like, Charlie, like you're very pronoid. And he's like one of these like super <laughs> educated guys. And I'm like, man, I've never heard that word before. But he's like, Charlie, you're pronoid. The universe is always conspiring for Ryan, you. Is that, is that a real word? It's really? a real ass word. Hey. <laughs> I just learned something and that's important. Pronoia. I'm a pronoid. I'm pronoid. Pronoid. And Dude, that's a great shirt too. Pronoid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what takes us to the drive through Because every single morning, because... I was at a place in my life where I was 300 pounds, diagnosed with a brain tumor in the music industry where, I mean, I had everything I thought I wanted, money, houses, cars, Grammys, world tours. I had all that. And you were with 2 Chains, right? I managed 2 Chains, Young Dolph, uh, Travis Porter, Bankroll Fresh. Mm -hmm. um, I had one of the biggest management companies in all of hip hop. And... Um, I felt like my life was crashing. I felt like none of this meant anything. And I felt like a loser, which was so weird. But I had all this uh, evidence that I was losing. And I just got tired. I got, what was the evidence that you were losing? I mean, I didn't love myself. Mm. Um, I felt stuck in, in this world I created, um, my business, and I didn't know how to get out of it. Um, I felt my life was at it, at its end because of my brain tumor. Um, and, like, I never even had a girlfriend. Like, I was so, like, married to my business. Mm. I was so, um, you know, uh, not in love with myself that I wouldn't even let love into my life. Mm. Like, and I, I just I just was tired and broken, really, um, and, and at rock bottom. And... Like, rock bottom was a real gift for me because it made me it made me look at the roots. Um, like, let's say, like, my tree wasn't producing any fruit. Like, I had been trying all these years, like, 
12, 15 years to do stuff above the surface to fix my tree. But rock bottom made me realize that, like, like I had to transplant this tree. Mm-hmm. I was I I had made a mistake, um, which is scary. Like when we make a decision in life to go one way or the other, like it might take fifteen years to realize you were down on the wrong path. But I was out of alignment, and I said, "I gotta I gotta transplant this tree," and I went back to my childhood dream. And when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was be an athlete. That's it. Like, it's all I loved. Mm -hmm. Basketball. And I buried that dream because I could never figure out how to lose weight. Like, in this room is my my best friend growing up, Langford. And we played basketball together. We were on the middle school team. Langford became a super successful high school basketball player. And it's just like I had to give up on my dream because Mm -hmm. I was always overweight. Um... And and when I buried that dream, I got into business. And I love business. Like, I would look at my grandfather. He was he sold vacuum cleaners. And I thought that was cool. And I was like, I wanna, I wanna sell vacuum cleaners too. And knock on doors and learn all these like sales techniques to like be my own boss. And I had all these different businesses and I eventually uh ended up making this like hip-hop website because all my friends I grew up in Atlanta mm-hmm. all my friends started rapping and I'm CEO Charlie like that was like my superhero name <laughs> I gave myself and I always love like these identities it's kind of a hip-hop thing mm-hmm. to like give yourself an a, like a an identity like wrestlers do it too and yeah. that's fun and when I wanted to be a businessman I said I'm CEO Charlie that's my superhero name and I put on the suit to go to school I had the briefcase, no backpack, and I told everybody, I'm going to be rich. And I, like, lived up to that when I created these websites and I started, like, marketing these hip-hop artists in high school, and the website blew up. Wasn't making any money, but I was doing something Mm -hmm. big. It was like, um, the website was called spitchogame.com. And we had like the dance movement in Atlanta, like all the dance songs. I was shooting all the videos on YouTube, millions and millions of views. And this is early YouTube. And I go off to community college because my mom, she was like, you either go to school or pay rent. I'm like, mom, like, <laughs> she's like, I know you're CEO Charlie and all that, but you know, like you either go to school, or pay rent. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to school. I can't afford rent. So I go to community college and I get a phone call. It was a 323 phone number. And on the caller ID, it said Beverly Hills. I had never gotten a call. Being a kid from Atlanta and seeing LA call you was a big deal. And I answered the phone and it was a guy by the name of Brian Washington. He said, is this Charlie Jabley? I said, yeah. He said, this is Brian Washington with Interscope Records. I'm like, oh shit. Like, what's up, man? He said, we just signed this artist by the name of Soldier Boy. (laughs) And he made a special request. He wants you to be his videographer. And and I said, I'm all in. See, Soldier Boy, he wasn't from Atlanta, but he loved Atlanta. He was from Batesville, Mississippi, which is actually very inspirational that somebody can come from like population, you know, 40,000 and do what he did, but he knew that internet. But he was a big fan of what I had created. Sure. So I told Brian Washington, I said, look, I'm all in, 
But then kind of reality set in and said, I got to ask my mom, <laughs> you know, like, let me, let me go talk to my mom. He said, how old are you? I said, 18. He said, okay, go, go talk to your mom. So I went home and I said, Ma, I got a phone call and uh, I, I, I want to I wanna accept this offer. She said, what's the offer? She, I said, Interscope Records called me and one of their rappers wants me to go on a world tour. And I could see the look in my mom's face, like, my baby, like, hip-hop, sex, drugs, oh. violence. And I was like, I was like, Mom, please, like, this is, this is my shot. I got to be able to drop out of school, though. And she took a second. She thought about it. She kind of turned her back to me, and she was pondering. And then she turned around. She looked at me. She said, when a door opens, you got to walk through it. And I was like, Ma, I love you so much. Like, my mom was always supportive of my dreams. She always just trusted me. And I really appreciate that about her. Um, she was tough on me. And that was followed up by, you got to pay rent mm -hmm. if you're going to drop out. I said, but Ma, I'm not even going to live here. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to be on tour. She said, if your stuff here is, you're going to pay rent. I said, all right, Ma, I'll pay rent. So I ended up on tour with Soldier Boy. And uh, six months later, I got fired. I was uh I wasn't a good employee. I was uh I was thinking it was the Charlie show. Mm. And I learned very quickly that you'll be humbled like if you're not of servitude. And I ended up right back at my mom's house. Um said, "Ma, I got to move back." And she said, "Are you going back to school?" I said, "No, nah, like I've gotten a taste of like success. I got to in six months, our very first show that we did was at the Rose in Montgomery, Alabama, and we pulled up in a minivan. And within four months, we're performing in the Hugh Hefner suite with Kanye West at the VMAs. I got to see a song go from just like the clubs to number one in the world. Like we're on TRL. Like I got to see what's possible from a human being. Even I got to see what's possible from a human being from the country, like Batesville, Mississippi. I'm like, I'm inspired. Like I said, Ma, like me getting fired is not a losing streak. Like I'm on a winning streak. And she said, what are you talking about? And like, I've always had this like delusional optimist mentality, like to where like everything could be crashing and I'm going to be delusionally optimistic about it. Like I even call myself another one of my superhero names is like I'm Optimistic Prime. Like, <laughs> like there's nothing bad can happen to me. Like I can't lose. And so she said, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to be the biggest manager in the world because as the cameraman, I got to be in every door. I got to see how everything worked. I got to see it all. And so I said, I'm going to start managing artists. And she said, what do you know about managing artists? Like, you're just a kid. I said, watch, I'm going to be great at it. And I found this girl group and I went over to their grandma's house and I gave them a contract. I said, I'm going to get y'all a record deal. And I didn't know if I could get them a record deal, but I've kind of like, it's not so much a, a, a lie, but it's like a... Um, it's like the, the, the phrase abracadabra, the word abracadabra. It means, like in its root origin is, as I speak, I create. And so I always just speak things. And I tell everybody, like I don't hold it to myself. I really believe um, the phrase, like I believe that this is a lie. The phrase I'm about to say, I believe it's a lie. 
Like, uh, and we're taught it at a young age. Like, don't tell anybody you're going to jinx it. Like, I don't believe in that. I think the devil made up that phrase. Mm -hmm. Because every time I speak stuff, it seems to come true. I remember in high school, I met this one guy in Las Vegas. He had an internet radio station. And I went to school and I told my friends, oh, I'm about to be on tour. I'm going to be in Las Vegas. I'm going to be here. And I'm basically, in so many words, means I'm lying, but I'm really like manifesting. Because I wasn't, I didn't know in high school I was about to be on tour. But within a year, I'm on tour because I just said it. And I told this girl group, I said, I'm going to get y'all a record deal. And they signed that paperwork. And I made one phone call. I called Interscope Records, the same people who fired me. But I called them fearlessly. And I said, I got this girl group. They said, you know what, Charlie? We believe in you. We'll sign them. The beautiful part of that is the words are important, but you have to back it with belief. True, yeah. authentic, genuine belief. And that is the thing that's the actual magic. And then the words are the expression of that. And they can strengthen it and, and stake that claim. But it's your belief. And people are amazing at belief detectors mm -hmm. and bullshit detectors. Mm -hmm. People can feel when you really believe it. You know, I mean, I remember we're sitting here in on it, which is now an empire. Mm -hmm. And I remember the very first I was trying to raise $100,000 to start this company. And I go to the first person who's actually both people. There's two. One is one was Bodie Miller, my friend, and the other was another friend that I knew from, you know, some other business deals that I've been in, a family friend. And I made my whole proposal. And uh both times they flip through it like one of those flip books, you know, when you draw mm -hmm. something, it's like a guy peeing on a on a bush or mm -hmm. something like that. Like they flip through it that fast. Both of them looked me in the eye. They said, Are you gonna make this work? I was like, Yeah, I am. Okay, that's good enough for me. Fifty thousand dollar check from from Howard, sixty thousand dollar check from Bodie, and that started it. Mm -hmm. Never had to raise any more money. That mm -hmm. was it. But that was the, and it it didn't look like it was going to work for a while. But I kept believing mm -hmm. that it really that it really was. Yeah, and that that was the power. And they were acting purely on belief. All of the numbers, the company actually looked nothing like the plan that I put out. Mm -hmm. But they were betting on me and betting on my belief. Mm -hmm. And you see that in every every aspect because if you didn't really believe in yourself, you might not have had the courage to make that call. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't have stepped through the way that that you needed to do it. Even fighters, you know, when fighters really believe in themselves, like Conor McGregor when he was starting out, mm -hmm. he believed like he fought that that one fight is probably his peak moment was when he fought Jose Aldo, and he believed so much that he was going to win that. Both of them were throwing a punch, mm -hmm. but he was so fearlessly sure that he was going to knock Jose out. Mm -hmm. His punch connected. Jose's connected as well, but he connected just that split second mm -hmm. faster. And it's his belief that gave him that, like, I'm going to stand right here in the range where I could get my ass knocked out, mm -hmm. and I'm going to knock him out. And like that belief will create the opportunity based on your actions. Maybe some part of it is magic from the quantum in the mm -hmm. universe, but for damn sure it's going to work because it's going to put you on the balls of your feet ready to take advantage of any situation that comes. For anybody who's listening, there's always been this little hack that I've done to to actually believe. And, and then like, um, because sometimes you got to like brainwash yourself a little bit to believe. And it's this frequency I tune to. And it's just the easy frequency. 
A lot of times when there's something big and scary that we go into, we say these words, oh, I'm going to be focused this time. I'm going to grind. Oh, like it's going to be hard, but I'm going to I'm going to work hard. And all those things are kind of like war. They're like war phrases. And yeah, we might be going into war, but we're not really going into war with these things. Like there's no real gun, there's no, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I, with my, like I told my mom, I'm going to be a big manager. It's going to be easy. Like I did it when, with the Nike thing. My friends thought I was crazy. Tell us about the Nike thing. This is just proof that manifestation and the magic in this universe is so real. And when there's something meant for you, the universe will conspire for you if you just believe bigger. When I was little, I wanted to be an athlete. My very first stock I bought was Nike. I love Nike. Michael Jordan read every Michael Jordan book, watched every little documentary there was, studied every move. I love Nike. I had the shoes. I would save up my money. Nike was what I loved because it was an inspirational company. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an athletic company by itself. They loved inspiration. And when I buried that dream and I got into business, I was at the height of my career. And when I hit rock bottom at the same time, to be that high and that low at the same time, I asked myself a question. What's my truest dream? Because there's a lot of dreams, but there's always a dream that was found in our heart, not our mind. Our mind would be like, Oh, I see somebody doing something cool. I want to do that. That seems cool. But in our heart, there's these dreams that are just already there. Like the the calculator and the iPhone. Like you didn't download that app. Like Mm. like the dream that was in me is I knew I was going to be an athlete. And for some reason, I knew I was always going to be a Nike athlete. And I was going to be an inspiration to the world as an athlete. And so I went to my business partners. I went to my artists. And I said, I'm going to walk away. They said, Charlie, what are you talking about? Like, we just want a, we just want a Grammy. Like, we've got, we've got, a, we, we did it. And you're just going to walk away. I said, yeah, like, I'm going to be an athlete. And, and they're like, Charlie, we know you're sick, but like, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going to be an athlete. And they're looking at a 29-year-old, 300-pound short white male Mm. i'm like i'm gonna be an athlete and i said i don't know what it means but i gotta do it and i'm gonna i'm gonna train for an iron man what's the most difficult thing i could do i'm gonna do an iron man and something big's gonna happen they said how you gonna make money i said i don't know i'll figure it out but i gotta do this if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die because i would have nightmares i would have nightmares and my nightmare was always I would die in my dream, and the thought I would have in my dream is like, oh, I never got to know what it was like to be fit. Because mm-hmm. it was the only thing I ever, never was able to do. And so I walked away from the business. I didn't even ask for a buyout. 
ask for nothing. I said, I just want a new life. Y'all have everything. The clothing lines. We had six different million-dollar clothing lines that I built. The studio. We built the biggest studio in Atlanta still to this day. All these artists, all these tours, all these entities that we built. Biggest DJ website in urban music. Hand over everything. And I moved to California. I went vegan. And my body started healing. I got all the inflammation out of my body. The inflammation didn't just come from food. The the inflammation came from my thoughts, Mm -hmm. came from my surroundings, came from my attitude, came from my belief system. And when I walked away, my body started healing. My brain tumor started shrinking. I started losing weight. I did five marathons. I did an Ironman. um, And I had this revelation. Like, I would write down in my notebook. I have a notebook that I keep every single day. And it's... uh, I call it my quantum possibilities notebook. And I would write the future. And it's something um, I call futuring, where like I'll close my eyes and I'll go to the finish line. And I love the finish line. Like I love the present too, but the present has a lot of things going wrong. And it's easy to focus on the loop things that are going wrong, like gravity and like, it's like this 3D world. But if I can go to the finish line, it, it, it makes me believe more because I don't, I don't need, I don't need to see something to believe it, but like I could see with my eyes closed too. If I could see that finish line and I'm like, oh, it's going to be easy. And I would write down in my notebook every day, I'm going to be a Nike athlete. I'm going to be in a commercial with LeBron James and Serena Williams. And I abracadabra it too. Like I'll tell all my friends and <laughs> they would look at me crazy like, Charlie, like what are you talking about? Like how are you going to be in a commercial with like these legendary athletes? Like you are you and they're legendary athletes. And I say, it's going to be easy. And um, I said, I've done unrealistic stuff my whole life, but I really believe like this is not going to be complicated. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, Nike needs an inspirational athlete. And coming from uh, the music industry, I got really good at marketing and I kind of like can think for companies for them because influence and culture is what we always did. We changed the way people dress. We changed the way people talk. Like America's greatest export is culture. And in Atlanta, in the hip-hop industry, we created all the culture for America. So I'm like, if I could do this globally from Atlanta, I could do this with little old Nike. <laughs> like, but that's my thought process. Is like, I'm going to take this big thing and I'm going to make it feel small and say it's easy. And so I told my friends, I said, look, I'm going to make a fan-made Nike commercial. And Nike's going to see it. And they're going to want to sign me as an athlete. But then I kind of faced a little bit of headwinds because to make a Nike commercial, like quality wise, is expensive. Like like a real film, like a production with original score, you know, the color grading and Da Vinci, you know, the audio mix and master. And the reason why I faced so many headwinds is because I no longer had two chains by my side. So when I'm talking to videographers, I can't be like, oh yeah, you could come over mm-hmm. and like be a part of this two chains ecosystem. It was just little old me now sitting in Santa Monica 
I didn't have this big entity anymore to attract people in. And I would call my Hollywood television producer friends and I'll tell them what I'm looking for. And they said, Charlie, you know, to make a film like that's going to cost you like 30, 40 grand. I said, no, nah, we'll find somebody who could do it all. Like it's, there's somebody who could like make this film. They're like, Charlie, like you're saying that your videographer is going to do the editing, make the music, record the audio, mix and master the audio and, and do color grading. I said, yeah, I know there's somebody who could do it. I went out to Gracias Madres, nice little vegan restaurant in LA, sat down with this TV producer, and this dude pissed me off so much because he kept telling me I'm unrealistic. I said, don't tell me I'm unrealistic. <laughs> I know I'm going to find this person. I said, you know what? I'm going to find him tomorrow. Don't tell me. And I got up and I stormed out. And my friend, he works with um, John Legend. He's the one who was introducing me to this guy because I was literally trying to work all my connects to make this crazy fan-made Nike commercial. And I, I walked outside. I said, man, I'm pissed. Why would he tell me I'm unrealistic? I said, watch. When I find this guy, I'm going to call you and set up another meeting, and we're going. I'm going to tell him that I found him. And I was just like being like, mm -hmm. I was aggravated. But the next morning, I woke up. I'm living in a house with a few other roommates in Santa Monica, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I have my quantum possibilities notebook, and I'm going to go to the finish line, and I'm going to be all magical, and my pen is my wand. And I wrote down these words. I said, today is the day I search slash found my videographer and editor. It's done, exclamation mark. It's easy, exclamation mark. And I'm sitting on my couch. And my roommate walks in the front door. His name is Morgan. He's an accountant at uh, like Whole Foods. Um, not exciting guy, right? Normal job. But coming in behind him is this guy with this like big, like steady cam camera filming him. And I'm like, Morgan, like, why are you being filmed? <laughs> He said, well, I said, my, my friend Manny called me and he wanted to film something for his Airbnb business. And I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. I just wrote down in my notebook. But then I look over at this camera guy and he looks like very gothic. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, like this is like interesting. Um, different culture. Different culture. Very, like very gothic, like all black. Like just he looked he just looked sad. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to him. I said. You do videos? He said, yeah, I do videos, but nobody ever pays me. I'm like, oh, God, this is not my guy. This <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, why is that? He said, well, I'm just doing this video today because they had some Ferraris, and I just wanted to be around some Ferraris. But I was like, oh, okay, can I see some of your work? So I pulled up my computer, went to his little website, and he had this short film on there. And not being very hopeful, I clicked on it, and... I said, man, this is really good, man. Like, did you shoot this? He said, yeah, I shot it, man. Uh, you know, uh, they never paid me. He kept bringing that up. <laughs> and nobody ever pays him. And I, I said, did you edit it? He said, he said, yeah, I edited it. Like, because a lot of times in Hollywood, the people sure. who shoot and people who edit two different people. I said, man, the music on this is amazing. Like, who did this original score? He said, well... I've been in a rock band for about 15 years. We used to be on the Warp Tour. And I'm like, wow, like, should edit music? I said, the audio on this is so beautiful, like, rich sound. 
He said, yeah, I have a studio in my living room. I mix and master. I'm like, tick, 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 tick. And I'm like, who did the color grading? Because color grading is like a very expensive process. He said, well, I taught myself Da Vinci over the past few years. And, you know, I color graded. <laughs> and I'm like literally thinking he is literally everything I was asking for. And I wrote down in my notebook and I showed him. I said, I said, and he's like, I'm super excited about manifestation. He didn't care anything about it. I said, I just wrote about you in my notebook. I said, look. And he said, he said, that's, that's cool, man. I said, do you need a job? He's like, yeah, man, I need a job. I said, I'll hire you. And we went out to this place called The Counter. We had some vegan burgers. And, and he said, so what do you want to do? I said, we're going to make a film. And Nike's going to want me to be a Nike athlete. He said, how are we going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) And we pulled out a piece of paper. We started storyboarding. And I told him my life story. And we spent $350. And we made a film. And we put it out on the internet. I had about 10,000 Instagram followers at the time. And it just started spreading. And in three days, I got a phone call. And the caller ID, uh, it didn't say uh, Beverly Hills this time. It said Beaverton, Oregon. And I answered the phone. And uh, it was a guy by the name of Andy Miguel. And he said, Charlie, this is Andy Miguel from Nike. We don't know who you are, but somehow you managed to have our entire campus in a frenzy and everybody's fighting over who's going to bring you to Nike first. <laughs> and I'm just freaking out. Like, this is, it actually, like, is happening. And they flew me up to Beaverton. And um, me, you know, knowing that this is a Dow 30 company, one of the biggest companies in the world, I'm thinking they're just going to do a little meet and greet, pat me on the back. Like, I'm a, like, I had had, a, like, to me, I was happy with just them calling me and inviting me and giving some shoes. But when I say the universe had a bigger plan, when I got on campus and people were clapping, Charlie Rocket, and they, they, they pulled me into this like big conference room and they had all these t- televisions and I was on all of them. And there was like 20 people in the room. And I'm like, you know, I've been in some boardroom meetings. Like, I know when something's a meet and greet and when something is some business. And I'm like, okay, like, this might be bigger than I thought it was. And they said to me, they said, Charlie, we had forgotten why we came to work every day until we saw your film. They said, we got into the numbers. But your film has inspired us to change the direction of our marketing here at Nike. They said, we got big plans. We want you to keep doing what you're doing, and we're going to call you with an update when we have it all organized. Because they were moving fast. I mean, this was three days. Mm -hmm. They, you know, these big companies have their marketing planned out for the next year and far in advance. And they're changing it. This is February 2018. So shortly thereafter, I did my Ironman. I then started biking across America. That was when I did the very first dream machine where I'm biking from L.A. to New York and helping people with their dreams everywhere I went. And when I got done biking across America, I get a phone call from a guy at Nike named Tim. He said, Charlie, I hope you're sitting down. 
I said, I'll sit down. I was on a track. I was training for the Chicago Marathon. Um, and I sat down. He said, check your email. Uh, there's two things in this email. One is an NDA um, that I need you to sign. And the other is a link that I need your approval. All of Nike needs your approval of this. And I'm thinking to myself, y'all need my approval? <laughs> like, what is it? He said, just watch it. And um, I clicked on the link, and it is what became the biggest Nike commercial of all time. And it was, uh, I was able to be in it alongside of LeBron James and Serena Williams. And it was the Colin Kaepernick commercial. And it was named after me, uh, Dream Crazy. They named it after one of my fan-made Nike films. And that is when I knew that all I have to do is dream crazy and believe bigger. Because everything I said came true. I said I was going to be in a commercial with LeBron James. I didn't know how, but I knew what the finish line looked like. And the fact that I thought it would be easy the entire way is what actually got me to show up to try. Because I was delusional about it. And that's what got me to believe that I was going to find my videographer. And he walked in my front door. A lot of people say, oh, you can't just wish for stuff and, you know, it comes true. You got to put in action. And I'm like, yeah, but they're marriage. They go together because mm -hmm. I wish for stuff all the time. And they do walk in my front door. It's because the night before I went to a meeting and somebody told me I was angry. So I really activated my abracadabra of like, no, tomorrow I'm going to find him. Yep. But I didn't find him. He found me. And so the universe was like, you know what? Let's call Manny, have Manny call Morgan. Morgan has camera guy come over. All for me. The universe is conspiring for me when I just believe that it's already done. Time just hadn't caught up yet. I knew I was a Nike athlete every single day. I didn't need to be in a Nike commercial to be a Nike athlete. I was a Nike athlete when I made my fan-made Nike commercial. I dressed up as it. I said, what do Nike athletes have? They have Nike clothes on and they have Nike commercials. So I don't need Nike to do that. I just went ahead and started the process for them and the rest came true. That's an amazing story, man. And it makes me, you know, think of there's two different aspects of this. One is what I what we were previously talking about. Your belief was what got you to make the commercial, which was actually what got Nike to be involved. And so the fact that you had that belief allowed you to take the action and allowed you to actually put yourself in the right position to win. And that one is very clear cut and easy to see. However, then there's the other aspect of the cosmology mm. that becomes in the magical way, in this way that we, and it's not even really magical, it's just in a way that we don't understand fully mm -hmm. with our own worldview from a materialist, reductionist, scientific worldview that negates the existence of the soul and these other dimensional realities, which I personally know are absolutely real, but mm -hmm. you can't prove it, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? the fact that the videographer walked through your door, that's the sign of the other thing. Mm -hmm. Because you did nothing mm -hmm. other than send that message to the, to the quantum, to the void, mm -hmm. to the universe, whatever language you want to use, mm -hmm. you sent that. And then somehow the coincidences all lined up to mm -hmm. provide that for you. 
And the way that I like to look at that is we are multidimensional beings. I've felt it. I, you know, I don't know how much you know about me, but my audience surely, surely does. 22 years I've been on the plant medicine spiritual journey. All the different sacred ceremonies all around the world. The very first one, I felt my body completely evaporate. And I was an atheist. I didn't believe in anything spiritual. But my body evaporated and the only thing remaining was my soul. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there was an existence of myself that was on another plane of reality that was separate from my mind and separate from my body. So if you imagine that those things are connected in the collective consciousness and the souls are actually connected to all these other souls, I think we underestimate that our souls are working for us. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes we think of the universe like, ah, the universe is helping me. Sure, but your soul is part of the universe, part Mm -hmm. of the capital U universe and is conspiring with all other people who are part of the capital U universe. Mm -hmm. And so these messages come subtle and sometimes you don't even really know why you're gonna do something, but you just wind up in that spot where this thing happens and this magical thing happens. When you allow that communication by sending your prayers, sending your beliefs Mm -hmm. up there and watching that work, so you have to really, you hear a story like this, and this happens in so many people's life. It happened in my life. It's happened in, I'm sure, a lot of people listening in their life. Mm-hmm. You have to recognize that there's two parts of this. One is to get yourself in the right position so you have the courage and the audacity to actually walk one foot in front of the other, create your dreams, make the commercial. Mm-hmm. The other is to be ready to witness and see you know, those other opportunities that are gonna come that you have nothing to do with, that mm-hmm. is just pure grace, just pure grace. And that's the beauty, as, as you were saying, it's a marriage. It's a marriage of action and a marriage of trusting that we are connected to the source mm-hmm. in a way that you know is beyond our normal waking comprehension. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's so fun when, and for I guess anybody listening, um, y'all are probably pretty, fluent in this since y'all listen to Aubrey but like even with me I have all this proof of of how manifestation works but sometimes I lose the frequency and um it, it becomes it becomes hard to believe as big and something uh, recently happened to me on the tour and when things are going wrong you 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 begin to doubt yourself and um, I had started this tour that we're on the Dream Machine tour where we go across the country helping make people's dreams come true. And it's very expensive. And um, I had already sold uh, two of my homes um, just to, because I love giving. And like, you know, my mom, everybody's like, worry, Charlie, like you're giving away everything. Like you got to like raise money. But I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't know um, how to ask for help. And um, I kept thinking somebody was just going to call me and like a company was going to call and bless me. But we had gotten to a point where in October we ran out of money and I was having to look at possibly selling another house and like liquidating my assets just to make sure that everybody who has put their trust in me doesn't have to go home because my team like Perry she dropped out of college you know Timmy he started working for free you know Ty Ty was you know big time corporate guy and left and created a big old agency and just left 
for this dream in Langford, big time accountant at the FDIC, been on the road 10 months. And everybody put their trust in me and there was all this weight on my shoulders and I'm looking at like, how am I going to pay these people? Um, and I was right back to this like very broken place where a couple of my team members saw the money ran out and they left me. And I'm in New York at an RV park right in the middle of this tour. And I just needed a blessing so bad. And I didn't know if I would have to cancel the entire tour, but I was wondering where all my magic went. I was like, I've done magical things over and over and over, but where did it go? I was like, do I need to cancel this whole tour and like go realign? And then something told me, you know what? Don't cancel everything. Just cancel for a couple weeks. Go tune yourself to the abundance frequency. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was leaving New York. And I said to my team, I said, we're going to Atlantic City. I thought Atlantic City was a nice place. It sounded nice. <laughs> And I was like, we're going to go to Atlantic City and we're going to sit down for two weeks and we're going we're gonna to meditate and we're going to walk around labyrinths and we're going to like write in our journals and we're going to tune to the abundance frequency. And we went, we canceled the tour for a little while. I told my you know, sponsor who gave us the money that we've already ran through. I was like, look, there's not going to be anything going on for a couple of weeks, but don't worry, I'll get the tour right back on the road. And we went to Atlantic City, and on October 19th, I wrote down in my notebook, um, we're going to raise $200,000 using Instagram. A company is going to sponsor our tour with $500,000. We're going to get a new bus, because our bus was breaking down every single day. And it cost me $50,000 to fix our bus. And there was still like $30,000 worth of stuff wrong with it. I said, we're going to get a new bus, exclamation mark, easy, exclamation mark. And in that two weeks, we went on Instagram and I just got up the courage to just start asking for help. And I called a few people and nobody said no to me. I got $1,000 as our first phone call. And then my second phone call, which just took all the courage in the world to like make it. I called my friend Andy Frisella and like, I don't like asking my friends for stuff. And I guess it's the music industry or maybe it's just human nature not to want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. But I asked him, I said, man, can I get you in for a donation? And I had like on the wall, these like white pieces of paper, like with these different categories. And one was the hall of fame category with thousand dollar donation. The second one was the goat category at, $5,000 donation. And then the third category was superhero at $10,000 donation. And when I showed it to Andy, uh, he said, is there another category? I said, it could be. He said, what would the name of the category for 100,000 be? I said, Greek God. (laughs) (laughs) And Andy Frisella donated $100,000. And I was just like, I never received a donation before. And in my first few phone calls like that happened and then all these people just started pouring in and we raised 200,000 and then I got an, a DM on Instagram from Nerf and I went to my team I said guys like y'all saw my notebook I said a company is going to sponsor us for $500,000 like I just had that feeling that that was going to happen and so we get on the phone with Nerf and they said that they wanted to donate 
And I looked at my team. I'm like, oh, this could be it. I said, how much? And they said, $50,000. I was like, I mean, I I was trying not to be sad, but I was Mm -hmm. thinking it was going to be that magical moment. And it wasn't that magical moment because uh, I was grateful. Don't get me wrong. $50,000 is amazing. But I was wondering if it was going to be the answer to the five hundred, And then the next day, Nerf calls me and they say, Charlie, don't send over that uh, deck. Because they were like, we're going to donate 50, but send over a deck saying everything that we could do together. And they told me not to send over the deck. I was like, why? They said, this has been escalated beyond Nerf. Word of the higher ups over at Hasbro, who owns Nerf, heard about what y'all are doing. And they said that they want to do something bigger. And they said, $350,000. And I looked at the team. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is crazy. And then the next day they called. And they said, $400,000. And then the next day they called. And they said, we found $50,000 extra, (laughs) $450,000. And when I talk about magic, I wrote it down. I I, I didn't. Now, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Did I manifest that or did I know the future? Are we manifest? Like, what's the relationship between knowing the finish line that's already written and so we then write down what we saw the finish line was or is it we're creating what the finish line is? Because I'm wondering, did I know they were going to call so I wrote it down or did I create them calling? Both. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah, I mean, I think the your knowing in the moment creates the certainty in the future but mm-hmm. if you didn't believe your your way to the knowing mm-hmm. the future wouldn't potentially happen and i don't i can't understand i can't explain this in mm-hmm. a way that makes logical sense because it's happening in a dimensional reality beyond the one that we normally operate but i believe that it's both mm-hmm. and i believe there's interesting things that happen with time especially when an aspect of you is infinite and timeless mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i think it, it was it was both but but what the question for me is mm-hmm. you were you were out of frequency you were out of out of res you kind of lost your magic touch mm-hmm. for a while but mm-hmm. then you got back to the journal but what was it that put you back into that moment with the journal did you just feel it again or did you do something i'll tell you it's being broken man there's something about that being broken to where I felt like everything I had been pushing for three years to create was falling apart. And I was about to have a a, a a crash and burn ending. And I needed a miracle. And I went right back to God. And I went right back to prayer. And I went right back to manifesting. And I'm just like, God, I need a miracle. And when I say God, I mean, I think God, universe, spirituality, sure. I think it's all the same thing. And so I'm like messaging my friends and my family. And like, I have a best friend. Her name is Tasia. I said, Tasia, like, I just need a miracle. I need a miracle because I'm abracadabra in it. If I need something, I'm going to just tell everybody, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And that brokenness, I just listen to, like, like, I I appreciate the dark because the dark, I always say, like, the, the, the gifts in my life were delivered in the dark. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought about Santa Claus. 
Santa Claus delivers the presents at nighttime. And so I'm like, if this, if it's dark, there's going to be a gift. And sometimes that gift is like being humbled and getting back to your roots. Sometimes that gift is a brain tumor. And without the brain tumor, I'd never be a Nike athlete. Sometimes that gift is 300 pounds. And it's like reconnects me to my dream in an extreme way. So at that point of like having to cancel this tour where we're helping people and all I want to do is help people, it brought me back to the intention to align. Because what if I was just comfortable? I'll just keep going. But I got back aligned. And since that day, we've raised over $1.2 million. And I realized I'm good at running a foundation. That before that moment, I was afraid to ask people for help. And now I'm like, like three days after being fearful of asking for help, I was like, I think I found my calling, guys. I think I'm good at running a foundation. I'm supposed to have a nonprofit because I'm good at it. And I didn't even know I was good at it. So I, I really appreciate the dark and how it almost fell apart because it got me back closer to my abundance frequency that I had lost because I was just comfortable and i wasn't asking for abundance so the the trick is mm -hmm. and we had this little conversation on the live stream that i did for the fit for service academy and we always have a little conversation with the guests in person on that so anybody listening if you want to be privy to this uh check it out but we had a conversation and and you were talking about how it's been hard for you to give yourself the care that you need. You're mm -hmm. on this dream machine tour. You're blessing people mm -hmm. all over the place and drive throughs and homes in different mm -hmm. areas, like amazing, like touching stories that you're doing all the time. But you're starting to feel yourself put your weight back on mm -hmm. and get yourself in, in more challenging conditions. What occurs to me is that there may be a belief that you have mm. that you have to get to the darkness to unlock mm. the greatest element of your magic because desperation will will bring that to you. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Whether it's neuroplasticity to help you learn something, whether it's mm -hmm. you know that motivation, there's lots of science about how those, when you really need something, mm -hmm. you'll show up in a bigger way. But that's the that's a painful way to go about it and it's not the only way there's yeah. a way to do that without having to put yourself with your back against the wall mm -hmm. you know like a like a great playoff team doesn't need to go down you know three one mm -hmm. to be like all right now we got to fucking play boys like mm -hmm. we can't lose this you know they just come out of the gate and like they keep that. that even when they're up 3-0 they finish it 4-0 for the clean sweep yeah. no matter what and i think for you making sure that you track that belief so that you don't mm -hmm. try to put yourself in another situation where you're having some health problem that forces you to ask for a miracle. Know that you can keep from the place where you're winning, keep winning and keep winning and keep that fire going from your own intention and volition. Powerful stuff. I like that. Yeah, man. It's time to run it up. We can't go down. We got to run right. it up. That's right. We got to run it up, <laughs> we baby. Run it up. We're not, we're not taking any more L's. Yeah. Not to win, at mm -hmm. least. We might take some L's, but not intentionally. I like that. Yeah. Thank you, man. For sure. What's the, what's the, what are the challenging moments for you, man? What are the, you said? You seem like such an inspirational, positive guy. You've talked about some dark times in your life, but just in your day to day, you know, like what's still a struggle? What's still, what's still hard? Well, you, know, you talk about the easy button, but what's, what's hard for Charlie? Mm hmm. I would say, 
I would say it's it's definitely it's definitely been hard for me to change my belief system that I can uh, uh, work really hard and lose weight at the same time or be healthy at the same time. And I know it's a a, a reprogramming issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I really got to work on because the only time I was able to lose weight is when I walked away from being busy. But I've got to fight that head on. Um, Because, like, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning, and it's just like, oh, man, like, kind of go into victim mode a little bit because I know I eat super clean. You know, we'll go out to a restaurant. Everybody will have these nice New Orleans meals, and I'm eating my broccoli and rice pilaf. But then to see me puff up, in the same, and it's very easy to fall back into victim mode. Like, why am I so different? Why don't I have the energy that my peers have? Why am I exhausted? Why am I, you know, eating healthy? And I'll slip back into those old ways, and it's not as severe as it used to be. But when I get over this little uh, uh, um, line where I like look at my face and it's becoming puffy, and the little jacket I tried on, I wanted to wear this jacket that I love. It's like my little G Star camo jacket. And I put it on and I'm like, I can't even wear it. Let me wear mm. a hoodie that doesn't show like, you know, my stomach so big. So it's like, those are the things I struggle with. But what's different now is I actually love myself where like before I didn't, I had, um, my my ex-girlfriend, she taught me how to love myself. I never loved myself before her. Mm. And she loved me so much. That everybody always said, like, Charlie, you got to find self-love. And I didn't know what that meant. I just, I just didn't know. But then this woman, she loved me so much that I started believing it. I'm like, I must be amazing because this woman loves me <laughs> so much that she, like, downloaded all these programs of love into me just based on how she loved me. And ever since her, I love myself. Um, so now I'm not like in this like sabotage, like I look in the mirror, but I didn't sabotage myself in the past. It would be, oh God. And then I get real stressed out and start binge eating. I don't do that anymore. I still think I'm amazing. I don't self-sabotage, but I do have this victim subconscious mentality of why can't I be like my friends? All of them are so fit and healthy and we're all living the same life and it's like I don't have the energy like I get really beat down on the road and I don't have the energy go work out because I have to sleep 11 hours tonight because I'm so on E and I compare myself to other people so that's my current struggle that I'm working on figuring out and the sooner the better. Well Charlie I got good news for you man. Talk to me. It's easy. It's easy. That's what I'm talking about. It's easy, man. It's easy. It's easy to work that hard and be in the shape that you want. It's easy to keep that weight off. Mm. It's easy. It's easy. I'm telling you, man, it's easy. Now, with that, there may be some information downloads that you need. You may Mm -hmm. need to look at the nutritional system in a different way Mm -hmm. and support yourself in a different way. Look at getting into ketosis, which is going to solve two problems, one weight to energy mm-hmm. have you ever felt yourself in a state of nutritional ketosis do you know what that is i have an interesting relationship with ketosis that i gotta reprogram myself on because most of my life i always ever since i was eight i did keto diets and i, I um I, I guess i wasn't knowledgeable but i would always remove sugar but then i would binge eat on sugar and then i would go right back on a keto diet, and this was for years and years and Mm -hmm. years. So I formed a a binge eating disorder, and when I went 
vegan, I started eating a lot of fruit and it saved me from the chocolate. Mm. So um, I like sugar. Sugar is what I have an addiction to. And I would binge eat 10, 15,000 calories in a night. And it would be so interesting because my body would never get full. I would, I would, I would always like, like I, it would always start with just one little thing, like maybe a candy bar, but then I would be like, like craving because I, I told myself that I'm not supposed to have sugar. So I'd be like, okay, this is my last night ever doing this. And it would go from one gas station. It would always be gas stations. It would be like all the pastries, all those things. And I don't know why, um, why I, I, the, the, the removal of sugar caused so much panic in my body. But um, I no longer have a binge eating disorder. It took me mm -hmm. years to recover from that. But, um, but yeah. So I, I think it might be a little bit deeper. But I'd love to talk to you about it. And that's these are all opportunities to reprogram. Mm -hmm. You know, like what happened in the past. That was Charlie of five years ago. Charlie of ten True. years ago. That that person's not you. True. You're the person that's learned from that and has awareness from that and has done different things in that. And so at any given point. With your belief, you see, you you have powers that I know you have, and mm -hmm. it's just applying them to the same thing. Applying them, this is easy. Mm -hmm. I'm not that person. I'm this person on a winning streak. I'm not going to go back to the binge eating disorder because of this thing. Mm -hmm. I got this. Like I, and you continue to fuel that same thing for yourself. But I think it also has to go to that fundamental root cause, which may be. I need to put myself in a place of desperation because that's when my magic is unleashed. So the first belief is I am magical all the time, no matter what. Like all of these, like when I'm on a winning streak, I'm gonna run up the score. And that's, it's that idea. It's the idea that you can keep. So you don't have that self-sabotage, you know, impulse, which may be linked to that. I don't know exactly. You'll find it mm -hmm. if you look. But you just start to reprogram all of these beliefs and then try these different things out because- the thing about ketosis is you can start eating in a certain way, but until you actually flip the switch mm -hmm. and you're measuring it in your test strips or your breath and you're actually in nutritional ketosis, well, then you've just switched a few things around. And there's a lot of aspects of the human body that are, when they're conditioned to something, like conditioned to sugar, mm -hmm. you starve them of that, they start to freak out. Mm -hmm. You know, candida albicans is one of those things that develops in our gut when we get gut dysbiosis especially when we have a lot of sugar foods mm -hmm. i'm sure you probably had antibiotics when you were a kid we mm -hmm. all have so you get these things and so all of these organisms contribute their information to the brain like we're just a bunch of cells and our mm -hmm. bodies communicate and we think this is my thought well where did the thought come from the thought came from our organism itself so as you start to starve these microorganisms like candida, mm -hmm. which is probably overgrown in your gut, you start to starve them of their food source, which is sugar. They're on the verge of dying. They start to freak out and they're like, Charlie, man, go to that fucking gas station, stock up. Mm -hmm. You know, we need more. So you're going to have to have the resilience and that courage to push through that and actually know where it's coming from and be like, all right, little buddies, it's all right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's time to let go back to back to source for you. You know, you're going to let go. You're going to pass through my body easily. Mm -hmm. Just let go. Just let go, guys. Mm -hmm. And then as you talk yourself through that, then getting yourself into legitimate nutritional ketosis, mm -hmm. not just like I'm eating more fats and protein, but measured, you know, and have something. They have a, a great breath tester called keto, and you can use the strips or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, get some, get some exogenous ketones. 
And now this is for everybody out there because I think this is the most reliable plan to do that because I don't have an issue with weight, but I do have issues with energy and I do have issues with mental clarity. Mm -hmm. But when I'm actually in nutritional ketosis, I'm on fucking fire. Mm -hmm. I am on fire. And that alone is worth it, let alone the fact that you're training your body to actually use fat as fuel. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's actually so good for weight management. So, man, I think the combination of unleashing the power of your mind with that formula Mm -hmm. and then having there's so many great fucking keto snacks now Mm -hmm. i mean like keto cookies and things my cabinet is full of stuff you know Mm -hmm. i can just binge on it and it's but it all has the right macronutrients you start to shift that around and i think i think that's gonna allow that statement that we made that it's gonna be easy Mm -hmm. it's gonna allow that to happen but it, it needs both it needs both the action of what you're doing and your mind tilted to that in Mm -hmm. in exactly the same tenacity and ferocity Mm -hmm. and with that with that unbendingness that's the thing about like like when you're not resisting anymore then it really is easy when you're surrendered to this is what i'm going to do this is just what i'm going to do then it becomes easy Mm -hmm. then you're like "Well, well whatever it is i have to do it you know i liken it to like climbing you know climbing up a mountain is you know, you have all of this mental resistance, like, ah, should I keep going? Should I not keep going? Should I turn back or whatever? But if you're already at the top, you know you have to get down. So going down, it's not even a question. You're like, I gotta fucking get down. I don't mm-hmm. care if I'm tired. I, I gotta get down. I can't sleep up here on the mountain, you know, because so you have to. So all of the resistance just drops and you're not questioning anymore. And that's the place I think for all of us who want to accomplish something, just surrender to the fact that it, it's done. It's already done. I already did this. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. There's not another choice. You know, it's like there's no way that I'm going to back out. We all have our challenges. We all have the things that are hard. Some of the things that you've done seem impossible to to other people, and then some of the things that you're working on, there's other people who are like, oh yeah, I can do that. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, but that's the beauty of having a community. That's the beauty of you know, us connecting. Like I've mm-hmm. learned from you today to even be more audacious and to use my belief. And these are things that I've known, but watching you and feeling you who put that in action, that's the thing. When you're around someone who's really doing it, it's different than hearing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, for real that that's happening. Like I can learn about the Wim Hof method about, you know, the breath work and going in the cold, but then you hang out with Wim Hof and you're like, wow, this shit's real. <laughs> You know, and and for me to spend time with you, I really I feel that in a different way, and so I'm doubling down on my own manifestation yeah, practice. And at the same time, because now we're now we're homies, we're in community. It's like I can tell you, yeah, man, this nutritional energy stuff, like this is easy. Mm-hmm. Like we got this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I think what's so important about everybody coming together in community. And I think. The thing that's going to solve the this big challenge that we've been in collectively is everybody's so isolated but if we all like reach out and start to like feel like one big tribe one big community again Mm -hmm. we'll solve all each other's problems like we have the resources to do it like we have the information we have we just need to get out of our own isolation and selfishness and just be like here we are. Let's reach out and and support each other. And it starts with a little bit of just honesty. Um, I don't really like use the word vulnerable 
Because when I looked up the definition of vulnerable, it doesn't like really align. But like the definition of vulnerable is um, likely to be preyed on. And I feel like when you're honest about a problem, you're less likely to be preyed on. Yeah. You're more likely to be helped. Yeah. And so like how you asked me what's something I need help with. I mean, I can only imagine how many people are going to reach out and try to help me. And nobody's going to try to prey on me because it's like Eminem in 8 Mile. When he dissed himself, he couldn't lose the battle. Mm -hmm. He won the battle. Mm -hmm. So when we all have problems, just be honest. We don't have to hide it. Yep. And watch the help come. We think that these things that, you know, aren't perfect about ourselves. we think that people are going to judge us for them. And, you know, some of that's conditioned. You know, you have something that you're struggling with and you're, you know, with in third grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, and maybe all the way up to high school, depending on where you're at. People may prey on you mm -hmm. for those things that, you know, are different than other people. But that's young young humans with their own conditioning with uh you know wildly underdeveloped prefrontal cortex and mm -hmm. also just falling victim to this kind of bully group mentality and so maybe we are conditioned to believe that but that's not the way the world always is mm -mm. you know that's that's not the way that it is now and it's not that's not what i see because i see exactly what you see is that the world we're in and so for some of us it may take some reconditioning of that belief that the world, the more we show this, the world will love us and respond and love. And sure, maybe there's that, you know, one troll, that one asshole who says something, but the overwhelming response is going to be positive when you open up. What's something you're struggling with right now? <sighs> I wrote about it in a, uh, in the newsletter I released uh, yesterday, actually. And my life is so fucking good. My life is so good. But I feel like I'm just one or two clicks away from really enjoying it up mm. to the level of how good it is, you know? Like, I still get troubled by a lot of things. I still worry about the future. I still think about something different I could have done in the past. I still put a lot of pressure on myself to perform. And I and I know that I, until I can really let that go and have more faith, like you talk about a superpower, if I was gonna have a superpower, it would be faith. I have no reason not to have faith, but there's a level of it that if I could just turn the dial up to 100, where I absolutely believe it's all gonna work out. It always has. Mm -hmm. even when i got in the this gnarly car crash out of for no reason whatever like i had faith then again it was my back to the wall thing i woke up after the jaws of life pried me out and i came to in the hospital you know my nose peeled off my face and my lips split open i had hundreds of stitches putting my face back together i had no idea how it happened and i was like oh this happened for me i just don't know don't know why yet mm -hmm. i had faith then because my back was to the wall but on every little day-to-day -day thing oh what about this thing and what about this deadline or what about this thing i got to do i'll still fall into worry fall into this place of i don't know how it's gonna go what's gonna happen here i wonder if this is gonna work out but fuck like 
the solution what i need is what i need is faith and you know meeting you has helped me with that because i realize that i'm a co-participant in this in the universe Mm -hmm. and as i raise my faith the universe responds with even more abundance because we're in we're in agreement Mm -hmm. you know we're, we're synchronized in ways and it's sometimes frustrating for me that i'm like that i know as much as i do about that and i just still have trouble like just turning the dial all the way up like come on ob just fucking turn it up mm-hmm. like max it out turn it to the right mm-hmm. as hard as hard as you can until the dial doesn't go anymore and it just says max mm-hmm. and uh and blow the speakers out of faith and just let it go i um uh, I, I used to be a warrior um a, pessimistic um even though i was a big believer and there was one little thing i did um to practice all day every day this one thing and um i always just say like god's got me like i say it a hundred times a day um i even take it to the extent to where like i don't lock my doors because i just practice i'm like god's got me and nobody ever steals from me and i remember i would even go to the gym and not put a lock on my locker. And one day I went to the gym with my workout clothes on. So I had nothing to put in my locker but my wallet. And I just put my wallet in the locker. And my friend who went with me to the gym, he said, you're not going to put a t-shirt over that? I said, God's got me. Like, I'm good. I can't lose. And all my friends always tell me every time, like it's just an ongoing, funny entertainment thing. Like, I lock the door. I'm like, nah, God's got me. But this day, I put my my wallet in a locker, and it was just sitting in there by itself. And when I got done working out, I went back to the locker, no lock on it, and there was nothing in there. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I guess I finally learned my lesson. <laughs> But then I said, no, 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 no. There's no way. There's no way. I said to my friend, I'm going to go down to the front. It's going to be there. And so I go down to the front. And I said, has anybody turned in a wallet? They said, very interesting story. I said, what do you mean? He said, we found this wallet in the parking lot. And I said, I know what happened. Whoever stole my wallet was about to leave and then God struck them with lightning and they were like, I don't want anything to do with this. And then the security guard took it to the front and turned it in just for me. And I say to my friend, I say, God's got me. Like, I literally practice it delusionally all day, that pro as many times as I can. Oh, we're good. Oh, I'm good. Like, I can't lose. I'm on a winning streak. Nothing bad can happen to me. And my worry went away because... My brain can only really think about one thing at a time, like consciously. And so I try to plug that conscious thought in a lot till it becomes just like a, like a habit mm. to where that's just how I think now. Practice makes the master of everything, whether it's self-love, whether it's basketball, it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. And pronoia, the master of pronoia is the one who practices pronoia. The master of someone who has faith is the one who practices faith. I think it's important for me to remember. That was a great story because, like, that is the that is the thing. 
just keep practicing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you can get in this idea that you're just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden you're a changed person from, but that's not the way the brain works. It's not Mm -hmm. the way the self works. Works by practicing step by step and having like more faith and more faith. And, uh, And I love that, man. Thank you. That's my version of my strong muscles. <laughs> and as I said, if I was going to have a superpower, it wouldn't be to be like, you know, one of the the strong, you know, powerful superheroes that you see. It would be to just be, I would be Faith Man. You know, I'm going to send some your way. It. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> yeah, man, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Well, brother, this has been beautiful, man. It's been beautiful to spend the day with you. Anything uh, you want to highlight for people who want to follow along with your work or dive a little deeper? Yeah, come find me, guys. Um, Charlie on Instagram. Which is great, by the way. I don't know how you got that. Want me to tell you a magical story? Mad, please. Please. <laughs> Abracadabra. So I, um, I had just got back on Instagram from a one-year hiatus. When I walked away from my business, I was like, I'm getting rid of social media. I changed everything I consumed from food to social media, TV. And when I got back on Instagram, um, I had this dream like in the night, uh, a nighttime dream. And I saw that uh, I was running for president, but I was running on a first name basis. Just Charlie for president, not Charlie Jabbily. And I saw the yard sign. And I called my friend Scott. I said, Scott, I have a feeling that one day I'm going to be like first name basis, like Oprah is or like a Zendaya is. Um, and uh, I just was joking about it. Um, I said, I'm going to be the Charlie for the world one day. And um, the next day I got a DM from this lady who used to be in the music industry. Her name is Fadia Cater. She used to be in the music industry, and she got hired at Instagram. And she said, Charlie, like, your transformation is so inspirational. I have a gift I want to give to you. I said, what is it? She said, I'm not supposed to do this. But she said, there's this name that's been deactivated. I want to give it to you. And she gave me the name Charlie. And it was just... (laughs) And I I called my boy Scott. I said, that first name thing might be true. And she just gave it to me. First name. Charlie. That's great. At Aubrey. <laughs> At Aubrey. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thank well, it's great to connect with you, brother, more in the future. And uh, and thanks to your amazing team as well. It's been great yeah. to hang with that. With Y'all everybody. clap it up for the dream team at home. Yeah, 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 we yeah. got Link. We yeah. got Tyler. We got Timmy the Dreamer. We got Perry <laughs> in the house. Thanks to my brother, Christian Pity over Christian! there. Christian! Line this whole thing up. Keep making dreams, brother. We will, man. Thank you. For sure. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning into this show with Charlie Rocket. I hope you guys enjoyed it and definitely check out what he's doing. It's a way to actually brighten your day. Just seeing the smiles on people's faces, just seeing somebody out there doing good. This is the type of information and media that just feels really good to consume. Once again, if you're interested in your sacred roles, go to aubreymarcus.com slash tribe. I love you guys and I will see you next week.